two middle school girls are transported into a mythical novel. One is transported back almost immediately, but the other finds herself alone in a dangerous land. Until she is saved by a handsome man with an ogre tattoo. Things only get stranger when they meet the Emperor and he deems her to be the Priestess of Prophecy. Is Fushugi Yugi the perfect series to introduce your friends to anime? Or should it be relegated to your own personal weeb watch list? I'm PJ. I'm Skylar. And I'm Lauren. And this is Kawaii Disappointment. necessarily apply to you because like you are aromantic and asexual very much so for the most part and I know that you've probably read context but a very popular (laughs) trope in anime is harems and reverse harems also it's not just in anime harems exist no I know that's why she has that context from like her books from like real life you know books <laughs> you know, books, the things she you read. Books. I do. <laughs> She's the belle of this group. Harems? <laughs> Ultimately, if they are like actual harems, I don't mean like anime style harems where it's like I just have a lot of options. But like actual <laughs> harems are like the exact opposite of being asexual and aromantic. You get yeah. your pick of the litter. Your pick of the litter. I mean, and harems, not cat litter. But <laughs> gross. Harems traditionally are one man, a bunch of women, right? Yes. And then, well, and that's why the re- reverse harems exist, which is a lot of women. Well, not a lot of women and one man. That's the same thing. Uh, right. One woman <laughs> and a lot of a options. A bunch of Again, boys. At no point do any of these have to be straight. <laughs> right. 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 You know, obviously these harems exist. They're a popular trope in anime. Sure. And maybe to you, Lauren, they are something that obviously you would never want. Maybe they are something different and mysterious. A mysterious play, if you will. And why don't we talk more about mysterious <laughs> plays this week with Fushigi Yugi, which translates to mysterious play. Ooh, oh, mysterious play, mysterious play. <laughs> <laughs> All right, apparently it's also a haunted play. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's mysterious and ghosts are mysterious. God, <laughs> we have fun here. <laughs> we have fun here. Hello and welcome back to Kawhi Disappointment, the show where two lifelong weebs, PJ and Skylar, guide their non-weeb friend. Lauren! Through a new anime every week to determine if it's a kawaii success or a kawaii disappointment. This week we are watching Fushigi Yugi as we continue through Isekai Month. I'm so excited for this month. I'm yeah, this is one of Skylar's favorites for sure. Is it? Really? That's so exciting. Yeah, this is in my top, uh, I think my top 10 most favorite. I have a huge poster in our bedroom of Fushigi Yugi. Of this one? Ooh. And it's framed. Wow. It oh, is man. a different poster than the poster you're about to see. But before we get to the poster, let's talk about that name, Fushigi Yugi. Mm-hmm. Lauren, mm-hmm. what do you think that, that means? Okay. Okay. So do you guys remember back when we were in high school, there was this as seen on TV thing called a Fushigi gravity ball? I knew this is where this was going to go. And I'm so high excited. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I remember this ad so distinctly. And oh, yeah. it's the, yeah, the Fushigi gravity ball. So that's immediately where my brain went to when I saw this title, of course. So I'm thinking Yugi's probably the main character and they have magic, but they're trying to make it look like an illusion because they're in our world, right? So (laughs) they have real magic and they're trying to make it look like it's all just like street magic, David Blaine shit. And then they get isekai to another world where magic 
is real and they've had so much practice at making it look fake that no one takes them seriously. I love that. Fame that is, is a perfect. Hilarious concept. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I literally, when Skylar first told me about this anime, because I'd never heard about it when I was growing up, I remember mm-hmm. I was like, like that gravity ball? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one that went to that space because I instantly saw the add back in my head again when I read this title. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, once you saw the poster, did your thoughts stay the same? Did they change? Tell me about it. Okay. I think, I mean, I think we are in a world that has magic, but I think this is going to be a little, a little bit different than what I was thinking. So I'm thinking that, okay, I'm going to go kind of helter skelter around this poster. So just like, just bear with me. Okay. Okay, so this dark-haired man in the background, right? He is the founder, the one in like the far right corner, the one with like his face and profile. He is the founder of magic in this world and he is the main teacher and has been in this huge epic battle with the red-haired man beneath him for years because he was once the red-haired man's teacher, but he then thought that he could surpass his master. So the red-haired man betrayed him and he went to form his own magical society. So now there's like these two magical factions that are fighting against each other. And one of them is the red haired man and one of them is the dark, long, dark haired man. So all of these characters either belong to one magical faction or the other. So jumping now to our isekai girl, she's the one in the middle holding a scroll, it looks like to me. She's the protagonist who gets whisked away. So I'm saying that instead of, you know, having magic naturally, she was able to find magic in her world based on this ancient scroll that she found. And she has been, you know, passing it off as just illusions, like I was saying before. But then she ends up doing a spell that takes her back to this magical world. And she is starting to use magic in real time instead of trying to make it look fake. And she is caught in the middle of this huge magical war between these two factions. So I think her friend is probably going to be this dark-haired man in the bottom left corner. And he is probably the love interest. I think he's probably pretty talented with magic. Very much takes pity on her because she's just like absolutely clueless and has no idea what's going on. And so he's going to teach her how to use magic. I do recognize that the man above him with the staff is a monk. Thank you, Inuyasha. So... (laughs) His magic is much more religion-based. He's very happy, very go-with-the-flow type of person. And then beside him is this girl with red hair. And I think she's the younger sister to the dark-haired woman that she's back-to-back with. I think they're two siblings. And I think magic has run in their family for generations. And the older sister's teaching the younger sister how to use it. They get along pretty well. But they like argue. And so our protagonist is going to be learning from their lessons and trying to keep the peace between these this family. Okay, yes. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And then this man with the short cropped hair and the kitty, he is the very silent but very intense one. So he's very severe. He takes his magic very seriously. And his kitty that he loves so much shows that he has a softer side to all of the intensity that he's projecting. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think this girl is going to interact with all these people. And as she gets to know them, she finds out which side of the the magical war they land on. And she's probably going to be the one to like end it. Right. Okay. By any means necessary. <laughs> Murder. She pulls Tax out a fraud. nuclear bomb. <laughs> 
Well, well, that would that would certainly end it, wouldn't it? A chainsaw comes from her face. That's that's a different anime. <laughs> that's an actual anime. <laughs> So, okay, I, yeah, I totally dig this, uh, you know, like kind of magical warring factions vibe. You know, it's definitely got very strong isekai feel. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to watch this. Yeah. And why don't we do that by potentially watching exactly what you described as we mm-hmm. go ahead and watch episodes one and two of Fushigi Yugi. So we're going to do that and we're going to be right back. So stay tuned, everyone. All right, we're back, and we had Lauren watch episodes one and two of Fushigi Yugi. Lauren, tell me, what did you think? I am a little bit lackluster about this one. I'm so sorry, Skyler. It was it was fine. The story was interesting. Miyako was just, she was just so intense <laughs> the whole time, and I was just sitting there like, okay. Well, mm, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts on what you've just said. Sure, but, sure, sure, sure. Um, We'll hold those thoughts till after our housekeeping, but I, I, I have a lot because this is also my first time watching this anime, right? Oh, um, so I've got a lot of thoughts as another first time watcher, but we'll get into this. So let me go through some housekeeping real quick, though. So Fushigi Yugi is based on the manga by Yu Watase that ran in Flower Comics from December 1991 to May 1996 for 18 volumes. It does have two prequel manga, Fushigi Yugi Genbu Kaiden, which ran from March 2003 to February 2013 for 12 volumes, and Fushigi Yugi Byaku. Senki, which started running in August 2017 and is still ongoing with one current total volume. The anime was directed by Hajime Kamigaki and was done by Studio Piero for TV Tokyo, airing from April 1995 to March 1996 for 52 total episodes. There were also three OVAs. OVA 1 has three episodes and continues the series, airing in October of 1996. OVA 2 has six episodes and continues OVA 1, airing May 1997 and August 1998. And Fushigi Yugi Egoden, the final OVA, was four episodes running December 2001 to June 2002. There's also a light novel series by Megumi Nishizaki that ran for 13 volumes. There was a PS2 game based on the series, as well as a Nintendo DS version, and a Nintendo DS game based off of Genbu Kaiden. There were three stage plays adapting the story of Fushigi Yugi, as well as a fourth play that told the story through Tamahome's perspective. And there were also two stage musicals that adapted the series. Hell yeah. With that, let's break down episodes one and two. Not very quickly, because they jam a lot into these two episodes. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Middle school student Miyaka Yuki and Yui Hongo are both preparing for the exams at Jonin Academy. While at the National Library, Miyaka follows a vision of a phoenix to a special collections room where she finds a book called The Universe of the Four Gods. When the two girls start reading it, they are pulled into the book and taken to a world similar to ancient China. As they try to get their bearings, they are attacked by two slave traders. A young man with a character for Ogre on his forehead appears and fights off the traders. He asks the two girls to pay him for saving them, but they have no money, so he leaves. While Miyaka is searching her pockets, Yui is transported back to the library and begins reading the book again. Miyaka looks up to find Yui and the young man gone, presuming he had taken Yui with him. She hitches a ride on a wagon to the nearest city to search for him. As he searches the city, another man tells her he is friendly with a man he's, she is looking for. He leads her to a secluded area where four of his friends are waiting to rape her and sell her strange clothes. Miyaka fights them off at first, but they manage to knock her off her feet and pin her to the ground. The young man shows up and easily beats up the four men, saving Miyaka again. When the young man is unable to tell Miyaka where Yui is, Miyaka do- 
doggedly follows him and demanding he help her search. After she loudly accuses him of selling Yui and being a slave trader, the embarrassed man stops to talk, saying the imperial procession nearby the young man remarks that one jewel from the emperor's crown would make him rich. So Miyako runs up to the palanquin and asks if she can have a jewel. She trips and grabs the cloth decorating to catch herself, ripping it off. The guards attack her for dishonoring the emperor, but the young man rescues her. The man introduces himself as Tamahome. When she reminds him she has no money, he kisses her forehead as payment instead, just as the emperor's guards discover them. Suddenly, Miyaka begins emitting a red light and starts to vanish, slipping between worlds. She is relieved to see Yui is safe and reading the book in the library before the light fades and she returns to the world in the book. On the Emperor's orders, she and Tamahome are captured and imprisoned. After they escape the cell, Tamahome tells Miyaka about the four gods of the universe. He explains that the Conan Empire is ruled by the Phoenix Izaku, but he turns to find Miyaka gone, as Miyaka smelled food and wandered off to eat. While searching for Tamahome, she meets a beautiful person named Hotohori, who seems excited to learn Miyaka is from another world. As they talk, Tamahome is captured by guards nearby. The woman hides Miyaka, but Miyaka reveals herself to help Tamahome. When the guards roughly grab Miyaka, Tamahome quickly breaks free from the guards holding to fight the ones hurting her. Seeing the symbol that appears on Tamahome's forehead as he fights, Hotahori stops the guards and reveals that he is really the emperor and a man. In the throne room, Hotahori asks Miyaka to become the priestess of Suzaku to save his country of Konan. In doing so, she will obtain the power to fulfill her wishes. And that's episodes one and two of Fushigi Yugi. Yay! <laughs> Lauren's like, it felt like 50 years. It, I, okay, there, there are I, some, <laughs> listen, there are some anime that fly by and I'm sitting there going, oh my God, we're already at the end. This one, it was halfway through and I was like, wow. <laughs> I can't I will believe say I agree with that. I was like, damn, this is long. This is long as <laughs> it's fuck. A feature Both of length these movie. episodes, they did. It felt like I'd sat there for two hours. I was like, damn, did I not, did I make a mistake and think that, like, you know how sometimes a TV show will have like an hour long first episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's basically like a mini movie. I was like, did this show do that? Because that first episode feels like forever. It felt so long. I right. completely but- agree. In a good way for me. Yeah, I was about to say, but it was in a good way for me. I really, really like this show. That warms my heart so much. I'm so happy. Okay, so now. So now. I Okay, so Lauren. And again, you're allowed to have your opinion. And I'm honestly not offended if you don't like this. And you continue disliking it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I understand it's, it's not something you're used to. So something you need to know is a lot of very very early shoujo protagonists are written like Miyaka like if you watch original Sailor Moon Usagi is like so similar to Miyaka or I should say Miyaka is so similar to Usagi they're mm. whiny crybabies you know they're obsessed with food it, it's kind of <laughs> like the um they're relatable uh what's her face from Hunger Games she likes pizza you know kind of thing sure um, sure <laughs> got her name oh my god that actress and so like the thing i love about miyaka though is she right out of the gate like she doesn't have to be coaxed to be strong she just like is strong she jumps into fight her like main goal is to you know protect yui when they first go in um to the mysterious play Mm. and i just love that also like this anime is just so fucking funny to me like i legit find this anime hilarious like the amount of times i'm just laughing it throughout the whole series it's great they just keep it going so i feel like 
it gives you so much in the first two episodes, but still, like, not enough. And, you know, someone could argue that, like, that's just, like, a problem with Yu Watase because she she has these very, very long epics. And I'm a huge fan of her. Her other work is in my top three most favorite anime of all time. Damn. Um, yeah, no, I, like, love everything this woman's put out. And, you know, this stuff comes from the early, early 90s. Well, I mean, it's, like, mm-hmm. 95. I mean, the anime, at least. But, yeah, I mean, that's still, like, a really long time ago. 95? I was five years old. So, like, obviously, Lauren, you had your issues with it. I'd love to hear what issues you had with it. It's not It's not so much issues, because I did think that the story itself was very cool. I loved the whole reading the the book, essentially, the scroll, is what sends you to this magical world. And then it essentially picked one of the girls to stay and one of the girls to go back. Um, and I like that that parallel storytelling of one girl's in the library reading what's happening and the other girl's experiencing it. I thought that was really super cool. Very never-ending story. Very never-ending story. Yes, that's definitely the vibe. I just, I don't know. I thought, yeah, she was, <laughs> I did relate to her wandering off because she was hungry and complaining that she hadn't eaten in like five minutes because that's very me energy too. But yeah, I don't know. She she screamed a lot. So I was like, please give this poor man a break. <laughs> I feel like she didn't scream that much. <laughs> I think her regular talking voice is probably it's just very too loud. loud for Lauren. Oh, okay, sure. Maybe that's what it was. I felt, I don't because know. Because more often than not, she was just talking, but she was just like, I'm here. What are you guys doing? But she's not yelling. She's just like, I'm just a boisterous person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the louder I am, the more charismatic I am. But that's yeah, my motto. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it came off as screaming, and I was like, "Wow, that's that is a lot of intense energy to come at me right off the bat." Also, like I much. did I did have a question because they're modern day, quote unquote, modern for the time Japanese girls, students, the nineties, in the nineties, yeah, and then they get transported back to ancient China and have yeah. No problem communicating with anybody. Well, because they're not actually transported to ancient China. They're transported to a book with a setting similar to ancient China. Okay, so this is a fictional, quote unquote, yeah, fictional they're, world. They're, they're set to the fictional novel of the universe of the well, four gods. I mean, but oh, Miyaka okay. can't read it because it is in Chinese, but Yui can read it. So. I'm assuming once they're transported, they just adapt to the language. Look, man, sure if we're going to do this for do every, it. you know, like, <laughs> you know, I feel like I have this conversation all the time just in my regular life. Like, you know, it's kind of like how in, every, in Star Wars, everyone just speaks common, you know, in fantasy, <laughs> everyone just speaks common. Like, it's just a thing. It's <laughs> just a thing. I, I, don't, I like when a story does take the time to be like, hey, I don't know this language, but I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot easier to just be like, everyone understands each other. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps the story. we're already dealing with fantastical elements, right? We're already mm-hmm. dealing with, like, this person was magically transported by this phoenix spirit to the other world. We can easily argue, and the phoenix spirit, spirit made it so they knew ancient Chinese. Exactly, right. yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming there's some magical element that allows them to communicate, but it, it did strike me for a second when the bandits started talking and they understood them. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Aren't We in Ancient China? But then I immediately went right back into the story. Because, I mean, you could say that about almost any, even, like, like European or American. I was about to say isekai. <laughs> like, <laughs> transported back in time story. Because, like, old English does not is, would not be understandable by modern no, English speakers. It, it absolutely So, like, you know, be. when you see someone be transported to, like, the, you know, to, like, an old Gaelic castle. And they, like, are just speaking, like, British English or Scottish English. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, Wait, that's not what they second. would sound like. They'd be like, yeah. Arsha you know, and they're like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> what was that again? How how did that go? You know, I actually, I, I don't know a lot of words, but when I was helping Skylar uh, do research for this paper uh, into Ireland, so much of their like government structures and stuff use old Gaelic as mm. like still. So like, I'm just reading this like, what the fuck is it's this word? It's a fucking nightmare. And it was for a speech class. So I literally had to have PJ write everything out phonetically. Ancient languages are rough and no one from modern times would be able to speak them. I'm sure even if the girls were Chinese and got transported back, they wouldn't be able to understand anything either. So right. yeah, like the um, the the Parliament of Ireland is the Dáleran. They have the Shnaidaran and the Taitadaila. Um, yeah, these are all. I mean, like that, like because that translates to the lower house, the upper house, and um, the Senate. And like you know, like that—that's just their old language. But like you know, if someone was going back in time and they were like, "Hey, where's the house?" and they were like, "You'd be like, what?" Right. <laughs> Because even now, if we were to go to Ireland and be like, where's the Senate? We'd be like, what? There is a really great interview that Stephen Colbert did with Saoirse Ronan. Um, and he holds up cards with Irish names printed on them. And my American brain cannot process how what Saoirse says is what's on the card. Even well, Stephen I mean, Colbert is just like... Saoirse's name already throws me off. The first time I saw it, because I've never heard her <laughs> yes. name, I was like, Swarcy Ronan, got it. And then it's like, <laughs> Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, oh, okay. But yeah, you know, I mean, so I, I think there's always that level of just like, you have to accept, you know, this in any like going back in time story, but especially even like to other countries or like space, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The suspension of disbelief. Like we're just going to assume that every person in space in Guardians of the Galaxy speaks English, except for Groot. <laughs> except for Groot. And even Groot's language Groot. is basically English. Right. Basically English. It's the same phrase over and over again. Yeah. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. I, I get, look, I totally get what you're saying, right? Because I, and you know what? Maybe this is like an interesting thing because I feel like mm, I'm very torn on how to feel about this specifically because I feel like. Um, so much of what anime was during this time, and especially shoujo anime, was very like this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'm already very exposed to it, so I don't find it weird, but you do find it a little, like, off-putting. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think that, like... Because then that that makes me think like, yeah, so that would be like a hard sell for anyone new to anime. But I don't know, because most people's first anime are these animes. So right. like, it's a very hard distinction to make, but I, we'll get to that a little later. I'm just like, I'm just trying to think of like what the right feeling towards it is, but it just clearly didn't vibe with you. But I really liked it. I honestly think Miyaka is one of the stronger like protagonists I've seen in some of these style of shoujo mangas right. or mm-hmm. animes, because like... Even someone like Usagi is very coaxed into being strong, especially before you get to like the readaptation in Crystal versus like Miyaka. Like she's in this world for two seconds. She's like fucking headbutting mother 
motherfuckers. Homegirl loves wrestling, which is a big plus for me. <laughs> and she's over here doing fucking... Splash Mountain 95. Splash Mountain 95 on these bitches. <laughs> I did love that where, I mean, this poor girl keeps getting trafficked, right? First of all. Second of all... um when they tried to do it again and she was like, well, I'm going to bust out some moves that I was watching on wrestling. (laughs) Well, I love that she shows her like vaccination scars and she's like, I'm a Japanese citizen and I'm going to kick your ass basically. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anti-vaxxers could never. They could never. (laughs) The vaccines is what makes her strong. Well, I mean, it probably will. (laughs) Point. There's someone there's someone being like, see, that Fashiki Yigi showed me that if you get vaccinated, you get sent to ancient China. I don't know Chinese, I know American. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to say I really like Miyaka personally as a protagonist. Mm-hmm. I also really like Tamahome. Um, he's like, like, you know, him. you're like punkish rogue. Um and yeah. obviously you have like um, the very, very insanely beautiful Hotohori. Yes. He is very beautiful. Do you have a ship yet, Lauren? Who would you ship Miyako with? Tamahome or Hotohori? Very confident that Tamahome and Miyaka end up together. And yeah. I think that the emperor is just the, he's the Jacob in the Edward Exactly. <laughs> in the Edward Bella Jacob triangle where it's like, yeah, he might be there to like play with fire, but it's always going to be Tamahome and Miyaka. Yeah. Any love triangle, like the answer is never the nice guy, you know? No. no. It's always the like rough the around the edges boy. boy who like needs, needs you to like ground him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, even, like, something, like, simple, like, jokingly, like, love triangle, like, not even jokingly, but, like, other love triangle, like, Inuyasha, Kagome, and Koga. Like, Koga would treat Kagome like a queen. He would treat her you know, so right. He, he would be down on his knees every day for this woman. He would. But, but, like, there's a reason the story is following Inuyasha's romance with her and not Koga's, you know? And exactly. I, and, like, it's clearly, like already like rough around the edges relationship as a friendship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. already tells you that this is like the route you know this is it and again this is coming from two people who have not seen this anime outside of these two episodes yeah it has to be tamahome but i do like the character of koratori i really liked him i thought he was very fun and very sweet he's very hot and (laughs) very beautiful (laughs) yeah he's just beautiful Konnichiwa, my fellow weebs. In case you missed last week's episode, welcome to season four of the podcast. That means a slightly different format, a different intro slash outro song, some new burning questions, but ultimately the same kawaii disappointment. Let us know what you think of the changes, what you like, what you don't like, and what you really, really like. If you're craving more Kawaii Disappointment, you can check out our 100th episode, Celebration, that dropped last week, where we took a walk down memory lane and talked about all things Kawaii Disappointment. From there, you'll surely want even more, and you can get it by checking out our Patreon. Hours and hours of bonus content are available immediately for just $3 a month, 
And more is always on the way, along with exclusive polls, Q&As, and goodies at our higher tiers. Find us on Patreon by searching for Kawaii Disappointment or by going to patreon.com slash kawaiidesupod. A special shout out to our wonderful patrons, starting off with our Eternal Desu patrons, our $8 tier, the wonderful Skullbosh, and inimitable Alex J. They're not alone though, as we also have our amazing Super Desu patrons, our $5 tier, Nene Killua, Magic Girl Girl Charlotte, Rebel in an Isekai, and Jellums. And our Kawaii Desu patrons, our $3 tier, Eliza L and Albany G. You're all pretty Kawaii Desu in my book. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KawaiiDesuPod, or go to KawaiiDesuPod.com for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. Spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes, rate us five stars on Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. It really does help. We will see you all again next week as we continue through Isekai Month with our Gold Star Anime for the month, Mashoko Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation. Now... Back to the podcast. Now, can I ask, based on the poster, right? Because I'm, right. I'm, I'm right here with Lauren. Are any of these other guys like tertiary love interests? Like, are we about to get into yes. like, are we about to get into like Kamisama kiss levels of like every new guy is also in love with her? Not every new guy, but, but most, but new most guys. of them. <laughs> no, not most. I would say like basically just one other. Okay. Is it the monk? No, I'm not going to ask. You know, don't tell me. No. Okay. <laughs> Is it the red no, hair no, guy? Wait. No, you know what? Don't tell no, me. No, no. <laughs> you know what? Damn, Skylar just answered. No. I'm assuming it's the red hair well, guy. Yeah, because he's the, 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 well, I'm assuming it's the three big faces the in the poster. The three big men. Yeah, the three big ones in the background, I'm assuming, are the triangle. That's the sequel to Two and a Half Men is Three Big Men. <laughs> <laughs> because the kid grew up. Exactly. So now no it's longer three, a half. three big men. <laughs> oh my God, that's so And they're funny. big because of the inflated egos, because that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, looking through uh, what we saw here... I also, yeah, like Lauren kind of mentioned this. I just I also really like the lore of the world. Again, mm-hmm. I, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott. I'm assuming there's a lot of lore dumping in episode one and two so that the rest of the story can just kind of happen. Uh, Yeah. Or is there just like, is this every episode? Like every no. episode they're like, time for the textbook. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not very um, lore. Like you get a few. They're like, all right, this episode's to talk about like the four nations before the last avatar disappeared. And, you know, you get that stuff. But, like, a lot of it is very formulaic, uh, kind of like Monster of the Week, but, like, searching for the rest of her companions, you know? Very like Sailor Moon, where she has to find all the Sailor Guardians. So, like, also, not for nothing, we're dealing with ancient Chinese lore, and there's a person trying to find seven stars to grant a wish. <laughs> This is Dragon Ball also, right? Like oh. story-wise, like base storyline-wise, like obviously very dissimilar to Dragon Ball, but you could also argue it's a little similar to original Dragon Ball. But like Dragon Ball, based on ancient Chinese lore, right? Uh, Sun Wukong, and you have them trying to find the seven Dragon Balls to grant their wish. Right. So 
What I'm hearing is that this is the prequel to Dragon Ball. No, this is just alternate reality drag. This is is Isekai Ball Z. So, okay. (laughs) The way um, I like to kind of combine it is if Usagi was dropped into Inuyasha and then they were helping Goku find, you know, the Dragon Balls. And also it's the never ending story. That's so many things all wrapped up together. Yeah. (laughs) No. It's totally, it's totally accurate, though. And you know what? Honestly, this anime reminds me a lot of Inuyasha. Right. It did yeah. for me, too. Yeah. I did see some similarities. Eventually, we're going to get a monk. I saw him on the poster. Yes. I bet he's going to be a perv. I saw a cute little cat. There's uh, a cute kitty. Uh, that's basically <laughs> Kilala. That's basically Kilala. And the guy I, with Kilala looks really intense, so he could be, like, you know, he could be your Sango. He absolutely right. could be Sango. And then you don't have a Shippo, which is might be for the best, but you have these two others who could, one of them's got to have Shippo energy. Hey, hey, that the hey. person you thought was a little girl? You thought Shippo was a little girl when you looked at that poster. I did. This could, true, this could true. be full, full Shippo vibes right here. Oh, my God. God, I remember when I was like, I think this is a little girl. And Skylar just went, everybody does. Uh, but you know what I do like about this, obviously, is like it also doesn't shy away from like kind of the darkness of this world. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very intense world. You know, they first show up and immediately they're about to get slaved, enslaved. Yeah. And then oh like Homegirl is straight up about to get raped. Like that yes. happens. Yeah. You know, and obviously they don't they're not sitting there being like, we're going to rape you. But they are like it's very heavily implied. Yeah, like that's what they're here for. And-, and, you know, and like that one guy even like like lifts up her skirt and looks at her panties and stuff mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's very intense and intense scene and you even have like again this is the thing that i guess where i'm okay with miyaka being like a little like intense is like realistically i would be intense in this situation like this is scary honestly most isekai are maybe a little unrealistic in how much they're just like oh I'm in a new world. How weird. Versus Miyako, who's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is that fuck? You know? Right. (laughs) And like, and like, you know, and I like when after Tamahome saves her the second time, she's not just like, oh, ha ha ha. Like most anime protagonists would. She like breaks down and cries because like she just went through a very traumatic experience. She -hmm. was almost assaulted. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we've had this conversation before where it's just like, ugh, like it's such like a crutch to write um, sexual assault to like weaken women and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's really, it's used correctly in this context because it is a very scary world and that's a very real thing that happened to women even today like but especially back then and you know she's been trying to hold it together this whole fucking time and she finally just gets like a moment to like take in everything Mm -hmm. yeah no i completely agree i'm on the opposite side of the spectrum from pj where if i was isekai i would just be like okay i have to figure out how to survive well so would i let me remind you of that time i got lost on tarzan's treehouse (laughs) (laughs) and you planned out your life and where you would sleep (laughs) 
Because <laughs> if I have not shared the story on this podcast before, which I might have, one time when I was like six and I was at Disneyland with my family, I got separated from them at Tarzan's Treehouse. And rather than freak out, cry, go searching for them, I just sat there for a moment, gathered my thoughts, took stock, and I was like, okay, I've got to go back up into the treehouse, got to figure out where I can sleep, where I'm going to make food. Like, there's already a kitchen in there. The teapots are there. I know I can make food. Like, I like, I was six years old, like taking stock of how I'm going to make a new life in this tree house <laughs> and then my family found me so i agree so i'm in the same boat i would also just kind of like take it in but i think I, like not to be like because we're freaks <laughs> but, but we're I kind of freaks I, I think your average person would be like what the fuck is this what, fuck what the fuck is that fucking thing i guess you could always say that like guests going to disneyland are like paying for an isekai damn. Like, experience damn you're not fucking wrong though you're not that's wrong that's a hot take that i absolutely <laughs> agree with especially damn. especially when you start getting to shit like that galactic star cruiser that's a whole isekai experience people are paying for <laughs> honestly honestly damn you just opened my eyes to a whole new world, Skylar. So much of like what Disney's like branding is, it's like we are here to help transport our guests to a magical world where they don't have to worry about the rest of like the other things they have going on in their lives. Yeah, Damn. Mm-hmm. it's all about Disneyland immersion. is just virtual isekai. It is so, just like, virtual isekai. Very much like PJ. I have a story like where I was like. The first time um, I remember going to Disneyland, we were watching Fantasmic for the first time. And like Maleficent, you know, as a dragon comes out. And I was just like, why is everyone so calm? We're about to fucking die. I was like (laughs) six years old. And I was like, not enough people are freaking out. And I literally was like, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my mom. I'm never going to see my friends again. (laughs) And then like Mickey comes out, destroys, you know, Maleficent. And afterwards, I was very like, we're all here because of Mickey Mouse and not enough of you guys like appreciate. None of you bitches appreciate the work that Mickey just did to save our lives. Do you even understand what just happened? We owe this man a life debt. I was like, I was fucking saved. Oh my God. Oh my God. My One of my friends used to work in guest relations at Disneyland. And apparently the best complaint they ever got was a couple came in heated, right? They were pissed. And they came in and they said, we just went on the jungle cruise and we were lost in a jungle and like getting attacked by animals and our skipper wasn't taking it seriously. They were just like telling jokes the whole time. And like we were in real dangerous situations. They were truly isekai Absolutely isekai They were transported <laughs> to... <laughs> to the different rivers of the world and uh, attacked by animals. <laughs> We've all been isekai at least once in our lives, but just emotionally. <laughs> We've right. all been emotionally isekai For as funny as like this anime is, and you, you kind of got a little glimpse of it, there are mm-hmm. like some very serious parts. And um, like, I think it just, there's a fantastic balance and like they really do show like the weight uh miyaka feels like throughout the story about like her predicament and you know her trying to get back and like conflict you know it's kind of like inuyasha where kagome starts to feel conflicted about going um you know back to her world and staying with inuyasha etc yeah well you know what like obviously it's a very complicated situation and like it's one that a lot of isekai protagonists find themselves in but ultimately like yeah i you know i personally like like i'm very excited interested to see kind of where that story progresses Mm -hmm. 
like because I do really like Miyako as a protagonist. A little bit of a side note: the animation in this isn't always one hundred, right? Like we can all no, agree on that. Rough. Oh yeah, is, I mean it like, was ninety five. Well, yes, but I've I seen a lot of anime that. from ninety five. I've seen a lot of anime from ninety five in the nineties in general. This is just wildly inconsistent within itself. Like in, within one scene, everything will look good and then look bad from one face change to the other. Like you know, how, like obviously expression changes happen, and like yeah. Miyaka will have like this very soft, delicate face as she. She's like pouting or something and then she goes to smile and not even in those like ha 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 jokey like look at how ridiculous our animation style is thing that anime does where they're like ha 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 look their face got big or their <laughs> eyes got or their eyes became you know arcs but in that like they clearly just like couldn't figure out how to draw that her face shape in this scene for some reason and her face just mm-hmm. looks like a little bigger than normal i mean there were even like like anytime there was crowd animation it wasn't animation so much as it was just like one picture of a crowd (laughs) yeah like the animation budget for this was not very high which is fine but i think the thing that was jarring was just sometimes they just drew her so ugly sometimes they drew miyaka very ugly yeah yeah and like she's really pretty she is in other scenes like that's what made it so jarring because like she's very adorable very pretty and sometimes you look at her face and she looks like fucking rocky dennis like (laughs) (laughs) and obviously it's an exaggeration but yeah that's neither here nor there no i was just gonna ask how you guys felt about yui being kicked out of the story well because it like bummed me out when i first saw it oh i just figured like the book was like, oop, actually I took one too many. <laughs> That's what I figured too. I figured that the this the magic in the book was like, oh, Miyako was the one we wanted. We'll send the friend back. Yeah, so, it's like when yeah, you just, uh, go to like grab like something from like a shelf and you accidentally like it's like when um, you like you know you grab a snack that you don't really care for, but like it's like the only one there, and for some reason like the vending machine dispenses two, and you're like, I didn't want the second one. That's too many. No, thank you. <laughs> That's too many. Now what am I gonna do with the second snack? You just gotta give it to someone else. You do. You just gotta send and then it back. You're a hero in their story because you gave them a snack. Exactly. exactly. See. Yeah, so I mean, and I like Yui's like role in this, but and I'm assuming it'll grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as of right now, you know, she's kind of just the reader, like, and she's kind of like our our proxy, I guess, right now. So I'm I'm interested to see how her role grows because she's clearly going to continue to have a role as the person reading this story. Sure. But yeah, so obviously, um, you know, her role aside and the animation quality said everything we've talked about aside, um, you know, I think the lore of this world is very fascinating. The story is very interesting. The characters are up to your interpretation, how you feel about them. The animation is hit or miss. But there's one thing more that I want to talk about, which is the music of Fushigi Yugi. Hell yeah. So the music composition for Fushigi is done by Yusuke Honma, who does, you know, obviously all of the, uh, you know, the composure, like they did all of the music for the anime in terms of the backing music. And I actually, I think it does a good job. Like I like the atmospheric music of this show a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely helps to set up the world. And like, I love how it is like the same songs throughout the episodes. Like it gives you those audio cues where you're like, "Uh oh, something bad happens because I've heard this theme a bunch of times. And, you know, I think Mm -hmm. a good older anime does that a lot. Uh, Even something like Hunter x Hunter, like, you know, you know what you're about to get based on like the vibe of the music. Right. You know, it's very, um, you know, it's a it's a trope that carries over a lot into media. But I really like the ones how they did it here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I think very well done. Yeah. So, but obviously, let's also talk about our OP and our ED. Yes. Our OP is Itoshi Hito no Tamini, which is For the Sake of My Beloved by Satu Akemi. Lauren, what did you think of that OP? I thought it was super fun, very classic and nostalgic in the best way. It was one of those animes that started with the OP. I'm so used to having it come later, but instantly I was like, oh, oh, we're doing this. We're doing this right now. And I, it helped to I release that stage. I turned to Skylar and was like, is this actually the first episode? Did we skip an episode? <laughs> Literally, I was like, oh my oh my god, it was so jarring because I'm so used to being lulled into the story first. But the song was really fun. I liked it. Yeah, I really liked the song a lot. I thought it was a ton of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's it, I it I to be fair, like obviously I have a lot of relation to this song because I hear Skylar listen to it. Mm. Um but uh I really yeah, I I like it a lot. It's super fun. Ironically, for a 90s anime, it has a very 80s vibe. Yes. I yes. mean, it is 95. And we do talk about how, like, the first five years of a decade is basically the the remaining, the remainder, yeah, like, like, bleeding. Yeah, fuck. It's 80s know? as hell. Like, it's 85 yes. level of 80s, you know? <laughs> it's 86, 87. Um, it was but that's so 80s. Right there. So 80s. I didn't have to think about my artist. I was like, I know who this yeah, is. Yeah, that's how I'm like, we don't have to get too into this because obviously it affects the artist's choice yeah i think the pacing is so interesting and obviously um i do listen to it a lot and i do love it i think it's really it's really funky and fun yeah yeah absolutely um so then let's also move on to our ed which our ed (laughs) is tokimeki no fokasen which is fuse of excitement by kono yukari Lauren, what did you think of that outro? This one was a little more 90s for me. I definitely was taken back, but I really liked 
the the dual animation that we saw on screen where there was like the stills and then you had the actual animation from the episode you just seen. I thought that was very interesting. But so yeah, the like stills this. the stills are like actual like manga art like from the book and PJ oh. fucking hates it. I don't I hate love it. her style. I don't hate it. I want to be clear because well I even said this while we were watching it. Skylar was like, oh there's that sorry hate and I was like I don't hate it. It's just not my favorite. Like sure. it's very traditional shoujo art which I I think can be done a lot better. I've seen it done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like this art style for what it is, but it's not my favorite. It'll never be my favorite. It's not going to be my favorite. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. But the song, I really but like. But the song, it's, this song it's a lot, is so fun. It's a lot funkier than the OP. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean yes. like in a like uh, you know like enough like it's like got like a ton of jazzy funk or anything, but like <laughs> you know it's that like that like this is in a movie about a white woman teaching people to dance <laughs> from the nineties with but she's dressed a little eightiesy with like her high like high waisted high hipped like sure. underwear over her leggings vibes like. <laughs> Like Ugh. and she's Her doing like basically ballet. Yeah, no, Scrunchy. that's the vibe of this song. Oh, I was gonna say it does have a saxophone, so like yeah, it's no, a exactly. Jazzy. It's got that jazziness and that funk, that like white person funk. <laughs> Gotta get that funk, <laughs> the colonizer funk. This is play no! that funky music, white boy. It is play it, <laughs> play it, white boy. God, yeah, I love the song. It's such a little like it's just a vibe. Yeah, it's, a total it, it's vibe. not like super over the top. It's pretty like chill. Like yes, it's a little funky, but it's pretty steady. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. all right, so then let's move on. Obviously, we've talked about the vibe of both of the songs a lot, so let's kind of elaborate on that as we move on to our segment. What modern or contemporary artist do you think would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? Lauren, why don't you kick us off with "For the Sake of My Beloved"? So I knew the era that I was looking in. The second it started playing, I was like, okay, this is 80s. And I looked around for a bit and ultimately landed on Belinda Carlisle with Heaven is a Place on Earth. So I definitely see where you're going with this 100%. I think the vibe is pretty good. And I think you're falling into the same trap I did. And I'm putting that out there before anyone's like, wow, but PJ, you basically did the same thing. It's hard because like the style of, of, um, of for the sake of my beloved is a little like, like eighties girl Rocky, but no eighties girl rock singer is this soft. Um, It's true. And Belinda Carlisle definitely isn't. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely has, um, a little more gruff in her voice but it was the closest I could find no for sure I get it um I I definitely listened to the song in my journey of finding <laughs> an artist <laughs> yeah so I I and to kind of jump off of that obviously I feel like I went a very similar vibe I went a very similar vibe in terms of the artist I tried to find one of their songs because I I found the artist very quickly but trying to find a song that I felt was close enough I don't think I did a great job by any means but I went with foolish Beat by Debbie Gibson. I just think she's a very good vocal approximation. I think she is. Yeah, I oh, definitely yeah. think you win so far. I was gonna say, yeah, no, the the vocals are great. I love it. Um, it. 
I wish it was like a little more like upbeat. Oh, but for like, sure. I Again, get it. Like, like I said with Lawrence, like you can't find this level of rock with this level of gruffness. And like with th- that level of rock or like 80s like synth rock with like um this level of softness and then and then debbie gibson has that softness and honestly the note like i i really think debbie gibson is a very close approximation for sato akami uh but the the song is a lot slower and it's gonna be a lot slower but it has like small moments that i feel like are very close yes no i love it it's like a great approximation um all right skylar who'd you go with closes out here so i also was trying to match up the voices and i think i did a pretty good job with the voice approximations um i went with the bangles i'll set you free Okay, I, I see. I definitely see what you're going for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do too. I feel for like sure. you run into the same problem I do for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's slow. a bad approximation by any means. No. Yeah, I think I the think chorus so. like gets a little bit like higher energy, so that's why I was like, I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I think that the Bengals are a great choice. Thank you. Um, all right, so all good choices for that OP. Uh, but let's move on to our ED. So, Lauren, who did you pick for Fuse of Excitement? I got stuck this week to where my brain was like, maybe this artist. And I went, okay, yeah, I can start there. And then my brain kept saying, no, but go back to that artist. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me pick anyone else. So... I'm not super confident in my choice, but I ended up picking Vanessa Williams, uh, her song Running Back to You. I think this is very good. I do think yes. it's, you know how I said this, uh, that was white people funk? This is like actual, like, like a lot more funk it's like you know it's a lot more actually produced music (laughs) yes i was gonna say the voice is like a little bit deeper but the vibes are all there and like there is like that softness it isn't like too too powerful Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i think it's a great choice (laughs) i think it's a lot i think it's unfortunately too much better (laughs) to be that close (laughs) of an approximation (laughs) <laughs> what? It's because it's, it's so actual. similar, but it does everything that the that Fuse of Excitement does, but better. Oh my god, that's so funny! Oh <laughs> uh, damn, that's a weird take. The <laughs> first time on Kawaii Disappointment. Oh my god, I picked an artist who was too good. Too good. I struggled a little bit, but I actually ended up picking my choice really quickly uh, mm. because I feel like the instrumental vibes were like pretty much exactly the same and i feel like the chorus is vocally very similar i ended up going with i think we're alone now by tiffany i love this choice i mm-hmm. actually had this exact choice on like saved i like i almost went with this there was like a two percent difference wow so that means skylar has the best choice of the day the two percent difference that two percent milk difference (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say i mean like perception's key give me that dairy-free choice skylar so i went with prove your love by taylor dane Yeah, I think the instrumental is very good. 
The instrumental's perfect. I think she's too strong vocally. I think she I think she goes a little a little too hard. See, too powerful. I think she does yeah. for the most part, but I think the chorus is honestly sounds very similar. Like, Hell yeah. Like that, you know, I feel like that's a very close approximation. Like I hear very little difference. I think this is a perfect choice. I Thank think it you. is too. I think it's definitely the closest anyone got. I guess that 2% difference is and a big you know deal. what? And I think it is a 2% difference because I think obviously the chorus is such a small percentage of the side, but that's where it's like, like the instrumental is perfect, but then, and the vocals mm-hmm. are eh until the chorus. And then it's like a one for one match. Like, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Thanks. Good job, Skylar. I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, good choices all around, though. No, no duds this time. This time. Yeah, there's a lot of duds very often. <laughs> um, so let's, yeah, I think that's going to be the end of our music segment. Uh, so why don't we take another break, watch some additional clips, some additional context, and we'll be right back with Lauren's closing thoughts on Fushigi Yugi. All right, we're back. We had Lauren watch some additional clips, some additional context, see some additional Suzaku 7, some additional gods, and just a bunch of funny moments. So tell me, Lauren, after all of that, obviously mm-hmm. you weren't the biggest fan of Miyaka when we started this, but you did like the story. And I'm curious if with this context, you finally came around to Miyaka, or at least liked enough of the other characters, to make this uh, a fair fight as we ask the question, Lauren, would you keep watching Fushigi Yugi? I was lukewarm going into discussion today, but after talking about it some and seeing some of the context and getting confirmation that Tamahome is indeed my favorite character in in the anime, <laughs> I thought he would be. But um, yeah, no, watching context, I was like, oh, it is you. You're pretty sick. Yeah, the Tamahome is amazing. I love Tamahome. Tamahome is amazing, and I love him, and he's definitely a close second to my favorite. Um, but I have to say Miyaka is actually my favorite. Miyaka's pretty great. She is she's, great. She's so funny, especially responding to her like environment, any captors, etc. So, but obviously that's the question, right? Is mm-hmm. Tamahome been great since the beginning. Miyaka was always the white whale of if you will like the show or not. <laughs> But, you know, watching her growth and seeing how far she goes from the beginning, I really like that arc. And I would would continue watching for Shugi Yugi. (gasps) A kawaii success in the book. You absolutely love to see it. Uh, It's snatched from the jaws of defeat. Uh, yeah, you, no, PJ? I think I, I, I'm 100% a kawaii success on this. I really Yay. enjoyed this. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, all, all of these old animes. Like, I love the writing style and humor of an old, like, 90s shoujo to, mm. like, shoujo-ish shonen, something like a Rama one half. And yeah, no, this is totally my vibe. I, I 100% agree with it. It's also kawaii success for me. Yay. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. I'm so glad. To Kawaii successes, you absolutely have to see it. But now it's time to ask the most important question we have. Would you recommend Fushigi Yugi to someone just starting their anime journey? I 
I think I would. I think it's a good representation of shoujo. And I mean, isekais are always fun, right? Because you have that like grounding of the real world and the fun fantasy of wherever you end up. Yeah, obviously, um, as someone who hadn't seen this anime, I very much immediately fell for it. And even as someone who is more experienced in the anime scene and has seen a lot of things, I could see this being a first that would really grip someone into showing them like that, it, you know, what a, what a good first anime can be in terms of like it being funny, but serious and heartfelt, but uh, ridiculous. And I think it has a lot of good elements. So, okay. So I would not recommend this as a first anime watch. As much as I love it, I feel like um, how old the art style is very off-putting to a lot of people. Like, there are plenty of anime that have um, really good, like, animation. But like what PG was saying earlier, there are just parts of this anime specifically that are just so ugly and the animation is just, like, not there. And I've known people who've just completely stopped watching anime because they're like, oh, is this what I'm in for? No, thanks. Um, I do think that there it is too lore-heavy in the first few episodes. Um, I would have to really suss someone out. Um, all right, so take our recommendations as you will, whether you agree with Lauren's perspective, Lauren's perspective, my perspective, or Skylar's perspective. But to the majority, our official Kawaii Disappointment recommendation is that this could be a good starter anime for your friends. But take those points into consideration. But a Kawaii success, a tentative recommendation, there's only one thing left to do. It's time for Is There an AMV for That? AMV all right i know the rules lord you know the rules so skylar i think you have to take this one over yes i'm very excited so lauren pj or hold on all right lauren you know the rules like what pj just said give me an artist and a song and we will see if there's an amv for it well considering we're going back and forth between the two worlds because you know we're in an isekai and that the love story is between tamahome and miyaka i went with wherever whenever by shakira it also fits into like the the vibe (laughs) i have to say lauren yes you got full points because yeah there is and it's great (laughs) all right so that's three points for lauren now pj Let's see if you could get three points as well. Give me your artist and a song. All right. So obviously I talked about how Tomohome was my favorite character, but a close second for me, uh, and this character trope is always a close second for me, is Nuriko, uh, who who is trans, question mark? I don't know how fully it's explored in the anime. I'm just kind of getting that vibe based on the context. Yes. That's I don't know I if, they're just, if they're just a cross-dresser or if they're fully trans. I can't. Didn't get enough they, of the enemy to know. They want to be a woman. So that's the vibe I got, is that they're clearly very female presenting. And even though that they very actively admit that they are a man once it's uh, discovered. But I think they feel like a woman. So that's why we're going to go with <laughs> Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain <laughs> in honor of my second favorite character. I love this. Oh, man. I feel like a woman. Let's go, girls. 100%. Yeah. It exists, and Woo! it is Noriko. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. Three points. Double three-pointer in the books. Yay! 
But perhaps there's a little bit more. Exactly, because it's time for the super secret, not so secret bonus round. Lauren, do you think there's an AMV for shoot? For Fushugi Yugi to Evanescence, bring me to life. Lauren, use that Evanescence. My Evanescence is telling me, of course there is. This is a classic anime. It's right in that time frame. Hell yeah, there's got to be a couple. Yeah, I don't even need to look it up, but I did look it up just in case. But I don't even need to look it up to know that it, of course, has a million of them. I think I need. I know a little bit more about American Girl Dolls than you do. Than genius. you do, genius. I think I know. A, I think I know a little bit more about uh, Evanescence than you do, genius. Than you do, genius. Uh, uh, but yes, of course, that is four of points course. in the book. And another tumultuous journey through an anime because it obviously started as a kawaii disappointment potential and ended as a kawaii success. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. But obviously, Lauren, thank you for going on this journey. Thank you. Uh, I hope you had a good time. But more importantly, I hope our listeners had a good time. I hope they had a fun time. A Lauren has learned what the word fushugi means, meaning mysterious. So now she knows it means mysterious ball time. A screaming at someone to help you when you're lost in a new world time. Which I feel like is a very fair thing to do time. But until next time, <laughs> we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. I've been Lauren. And, you know, go out. I'm sure they still sell Fushugis. Go out and buy one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mis- mystify I keep seeing your them friends. on TikTok, so. Be that annoying friend that's like, oh, my God, look at my Fushugi. All right. Bye, look everyone. Cool I'll am. be the yo-yo friend. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.